0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 236 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED ON, and you will get 20% off of your next order. What to start today, obviously, by talking a little bit about uh, Brandon Lemieux re signing with the Rangers on a new two year deal, but I think we got to lead off the show with uh, the unfortunate news that over the weekend, uh, Sunday, to be exact, uh, Alex Trebek passed away at the age of 80 uh, after a nearly two year long battle with stage four pancreatic cancer. And it's just been a really tough year. I think this just kind of is the latest example of that. We've lost a lot of people way too soon. I mean, Alex Trebek was 80 years old, but, you know, before being diagnosed with cancer, you could tell he still had a lot of life in him. I never would have guessed he was as old as he was, even right up here until the end. When somebody told me that he was 80, it blew my mind. I would not have guessed a day over, you know, 70, 71 at the oldest. But, you know, Alex Trebek, I think he, uh, going through this fight, this, this fight with uh, pancreatic cancer, he really handled it with a lot of dignity, a lot of class. He was always positive. He was always optimistic. He went out and he continued to live his life. I think that's really an inspiration for anybody anywhere, certainly anybody who's undergoing a battle with, you know, cancer or maybe even COVID, anything, uh, any kind of an illness that you might be trying to fight your way through. I think Alex Trebek, you know, even in his late age, uh, fought through it, did everything he could, continued to live his life, continued to enjoy life, uh, even facing such a horrible disease and one that, you know, again, I'm no doctor or anything like that, but I was told that stage four pancreatic cancer, uh, the survival rate is, is very low there. So, you know, he fought through it. Lived almost another two years after the diagnosis, and Alex Trebek was a huge hockey fan all the way to the end. Uh, He's a native of Sudbury, Ontario, and graduated from the University of Ottawa. He grew up as a Detroit Red Wings fan because of Gordie Howe. He was a big-time Gordie Howe fan. And then after Howe retired, he became a fan of the Montreal Canadiens. And he was—this is kind of interesting, too, I thought— you know, everybody, everybody has watched Jeopardy at one time or another. I think a lot of us kind of go in spurts. You know, I'll go a couple years without watching any Jeopardy, and then I'll be kind of addicted to it for about a month, and I'll just catch it every night. And it's just fun to play along at home. Uh, Alex Trebek, you know, for my money— one of, if not the best game show host that we've ever seen, and it's just fun to play along at home. If you get a category you like, you can do okay. If you get a category that you're not so familiar with, you're not going to do very well, but it's just fun to sit around with friends and kind of throw out answers right along with Alex Trebek as he's, you know, asking the questions, or rather uh, reading the answer, I suppose. Of course, the answers come in the form of a question, as we all know, but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things, you know, whether you realize it or not, Alex Trebek was a part of your life, because I bet whoever's listening to this, uh, wherever you might be from, there's a pretty good chance you've watched some Jeopardy at some point in your life and Alex Trebek has obviously been the host of the show for 36 years, which is just crazy. To do anything that long is extremely impressive, and you might also be interested to know that Trebek was actually contracted to host Jeopardy until 2022, so by my count, that would put him at 82 years old, and, and I think if he did not end up getting cancer, you know, there's a very good chance that he hosts Jeopardy right up until 2022, maybe even beyond, because you can tell, you know, the guy lived his life with a lot of passion. He truly enjoyed being the host of Jeopardy. I think that's pretty obvious, given the fact that he was diagnosed with cancer and then continued to host the show, and you know, he never looked like he was in bad spirits. He never looked like he was struggling. He never even really looked that he was sick or that he was in any kind of pain or anything like that. Uh, he just kind of persevered through the whole thing and just kept going to work every day. And again, just extremely impressive the way he lived his life, uh, the way he stayed positive through the whole thing, the way he fought until the very end. Uh, very inspirational and uh, tremendously sad, obviously, to see him gone. It's been a really tough year, and losing Alex Trebek obviously does not make it any better. And of course, you know, I never met Alex Trebek. I mean, I don't know what he was like, you know, in his in his free time, but. You know, watching him on TV, he always came across as one of the coolest, most down-to-earth people that you'll ever meet. And got a couple of quotes for you guys here as well. This comes to us from Commissioner Gary Bettman. Alex was a passionate fan of our game and a true friend of our league. He always said yes when hockey called. We will miss him and send our condolences to his family and millions of friends and fans. And then this comes to us from Senators owner Eugene Melnick. He says... The Ottawa Senators organization is saddened by the passing of Alex Trebek. Alex was a true and much beloved Canadian icon and a very special member of the Ottawa Senators family. We will always be grateful to Alex for the special role he played in announcing the Senators' first draft choice this year. For his legions of fans, Alex's class and professionalism will endure, as will his love for our game. Thank you, Alex, for your legacy. The Senators family and the entire Capital Region will miss you. The NHL and the NHLPA also released statements. The NHL called him a true friend of the game and part of the NHL family who will be dearly missed. And the NHL Alumni Association tweeted that it was deeply saddened to learn of the passing of longtime Jeopardy host and proud Canadian hockey fan Alex Trebek. Our condolences to Alex's family, friends, and and fans across the nation. And you had a couple of uh, hockey players also tweeting about Alex Trebek. Uh, P.K. Subban was among them. P.K. Subban said, Alex Trebek was a fighter, a gentleman, and a legend. Just like many fans, I also enjoyed watching Jeopardy! growing up. I'm happy I got to meet the man. Sending love to Alex's family, RIP. And he uh, also posted a picture of himself along with Alex Trebek. Uh, Tony D'Angelo for the Rangers, he sent out a tweet as well. It just said, RIP Alex Trebek, it also had the praying emoji. And then uh, Jimmy Vesey, former Ranger, current member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he just tweeted RIP Alex Trebek with the goat emoji, obviously referring to Alex Trebek as the greatest of all time. And anytime somebody passes away, you know, obviously there's going to be condolences. There's going to be a lot of people sad. There's going to be a lot of people who really talked them up, talk about what a great person he was. And we're seeing that with Alex Trebek. But I think what's really telling here is over the years, uh, you know, even before he got sick with cancer, when he was hosting Jeopardy for all these years, nobody ever really had anything bad to say about Alex Trebek. I mean, I can't remember anybody saying that. And we live in a time now where everybody's under the microscope and there's people who are held in such high esteem by the general public, but you're always kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop where you find out that, you know, this individual maybe wasn't as good of a person as we thought, you know, that's just what happens today because everything is, you know, documented and recorded. And, you know, sometimes you're almost nervous. You're just kind of waiting for, you know, somebody who's so, Universally beloved for there to be some kind of a scandal or something that, you know, paints them in a negative light. It never happened with Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek was revered across this country, across the world, really, uh, for all these years that he served as the Jeopardy host. Just a really down to earth, cool guy. And one of the last things he did, at least as it relates to hockey, a month ago, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw this, but we obviously had the NHL draft. It was almost exactly a month ago. And uh, obviously, the Rangers, they take. Alexi Lafreniere, number one overall. The Kings take Byfield, and then the Ottawa Senators they take Tim Stutzla, number three. And what was so cool there was to announce the pick. They had a pre-recorded segment with Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek did the announcement of Tim Stutzla being drafted in the form of a Jeopardy question. So that was obviously really cool to see. And for anyone who's wondering how they did that, because obviously uh, the Trebek segment was pre-recorded. Apparently, what they did. Was the senators pretty much knew that we they were going to take one of three different players with that number three overall pick, and so what they did was they had Alex Trebek record a video message announcing the pick of all three of those players, and then obviously they only played the one where he announces Tim Stutzla as the actual pick. So just interesting there, and very cool that he would be willing to do that. You know, obviously he's been fighting this this battle for almost two years, and. I suppose he was near the end. I don't know if it was if he knew he was near the end. It sounds to me like he just kind of fought it all the way up until the final day. But even in that video, you know, he looked like he was pretty healthy. He looked like he was in good spirits. He did not look like an 80-year-old who was fighting a, a deadly disease. And I, again, I just I can't express my admiration for that enough. Uh, obviously, going through a very difficult time, but he didn't let it stop him from living his life and enjoying what he did. And one of the things that he was very passionate about was hockey and the NHL, and just very cool that uh, the Senators and Alex Trebek came together for that project, and really cool for Tim Stutzla as well. You know, he his entry into the NHL was announced by a legend, Alex Trebek, so very cool stuff. Obviously, rest in peace, and uh, he will very much be missed. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good. And it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories Com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.biltbar.com. All right, we got to talk about some good news, and uh, that obviously is the fact that Brandon Lemieux has signed a two year deal to remain with the New York Rangers. It is worth a total of $3.1 million. It will carry a $1.55 million cap hit in each of the next two seasons. And, you know, I say it's good news. I don't want to speak for everyone. Maybe there's some detractors out there. Maybe there's some people who don't like Brandon Lemieux for one reason or another. But, you know, giving Brandon Lemieux $1.55 million a year to sort of. Fill out the roster, uh, solidify the bottom six. I feel like it's a move that would be hard to find fault with because, you know, again, it's not an expensive contract, and is a very versatile player. He does a lot of things to help the Rangers win games. As far as the financials and, you know, who kind of won this deal, so to speak, before it got to arbitration, what happened leading into the arbitration case, which was set for this past Friday... The arbitration case obviously never happened, but Brandon Lemieux was asking for $2 million per season. The Rangers countered with an offer of $1.07 million per year, and they almost met right in the middle to avoid arbitration. Lemieux ends up getting, again, $1.55 million per season. That is $475,000. more than the Rangers were offering. It is $450,000 less than what Brandon Lemieux wanted. So it's kind of the opposite of what happened with Ryan Strom. The Rangers meet... Lemieux, slightly more than halfway, and they end up giving him $1.55 million per season. I think it's completely reasonable. Lemieux only made six figures last year. He was definitely in line for a raise, given that you know he had a solid season for the New York Rangers. Again, somebody who really solidified the bottom six. He's somebody who can kind of get inside the heads of his opponents a little bit. He can play on the power play if he need him to. He can play on the penalty kill. Uh, just a solid, blue-collar, hard-working player. Ranger fans love guys like that. We just said goodbye to one in Jesper Foss. Brian Lemieux kind of brings a little bit of that to the table, what Jesper Foss offered and he's somebody who can set a physical tone, and in fact, in 59 games last season, Brandon Lemieux led all Ranger forwards with 164 hits. The only Ranger with more hits on the team was Jacob Truba. He had 173, so Truba just narrowly edged Brandon Lemieux, but I don't have this stat handy. I tried to find it, but as far as uh, hits per minute, I would think Brandon Lemieux probably led the Rangers in that department because Brandon Lemieux, averaged just 12 minutes and 52 seconds of ice time per game. So he racks up the hits despite not being out there for as long as a lot of other players. Again, to him to Jacob Truba. now Truba give him credit. He led the team with 173 hits, but he was also out there for quite a bit longer than Brandon Lemieux on most nights. In fact, Truba averaged 22 minutes and 33 seconds of ice time. So yeah, he had more than Brandon Lemieux, but as far as uh, hits per minute, Brandon Lemieux's got him beat by quite a bit there. So uh, you got to like that. You got to like somebody who can set a physical tone and throw his weight around a little bit if he has to. Brandon Lemieux also came away with 52 block shots last season. That was the third most among Ranger forwards. Now, in the block shots department, Jacob Trouba once again led the way. He had 128. Uh, Brady Shea had 96. Obviously, that's not all with the New York Rangers, given that he was traded midseason. Adam Fox had 92 block shots. Mark Stahl had 76. Ryan Lingard had 70. Brett Howden, 67. So, Brett Howden actually led all Ranger forwards in block shots. Uh, Tony D'Angelo was next with 57. Jesper Foss with 53. And then Brandon Lemieux with 52. So nice to see him contribute in that department as well. Certainly somebody who's not going to be afraid to throw himself in front of a screaming slap shot if the occasion calls for it. And as far as offensive numbers for Brandon Lemieux are concerned, he set up his game a little bit there this past season as well. He scored six goals, came away with a career-high 12 assists for a career-high 18 points. It doesn't sound like that much, and frankly, it's not that much, but you also got to keep in mind, Brandon Lemieux, mostly for the Rangers, played on the fourth line last season, so it's nice to see him contribute offensively a little bit. That's not really uh, his bread and butter. His bread and butter, again, being a tone setter, being a physical player, being somebody who just kind of holds teammates accountable by just being a a blue-collar, gritty, scrappy competitor out there. That's what Brandon Lemieux is. That's what he brings to the table, and that's what we're going to get to look forward to seeing for the next two seasons, at least because, again, a two-year extension for Brian Lemieux. Nice to see him back with the New York Rangers for these next two seasons. And again, maybe there's some people who are against this move, but I can't find any fault with it. It's an inexpensive contract for a fairly versatile player, and I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think of Brandon Lemieux from this past season, I go right to the game in Montreal when the Rangers were down 4-0 and they came back to win the game 6-5. Brandon Lemieux really spearheaded that win. Uh, he scored. The Rangers had cut it to 4-2 to at this point, and Brandon Lemieux scores a goal midway through the second period to cut the lead to 4-3. To the Rangers basically won a board battle behind the Canadiens net. Brandon Lemieux had a hand in that, but they worked the puck back to Adam Fox. Fox takes a shot from the high slot, and Lemieux deflects it home to cut the lead to 4-3. to three. Uh, That goal came on the power play, and then later in the game, with the Rangers trailing 5-4 to four at this point, Lemieux scores again, and this time he scores with the Rangers shorthanded on the penalty kill. Uh, just a beautiful give and go with Brett Howden. So basically, Lemieux skates the puck through the neutral zone. He passes to his right to Brett Howden. It's kind of a slow-developing two-on-one break here for the Rangers, uh, but he leads Howden into the Canadian zone with his pass, and then Howden, with an excellent pass back to Brian Lemieux, somehow got it over the stick of a Montreal Canadiens defenseman, and Lemieux just buries his shot and he trips over Carey Price going by after he scores. He bumps into a Canadian's defenseman. He almost crashes head first into the boards. But what a goal this was. Uh, Brandon Lemieux, just a complete bulldog here going straight to the net, not going to be denied a big-time uh, game-tying goal for the New York Rangers here, a game that they would go on to win 6-5. to five. And also keep in mind, all these heroics by Brian Lemieux in this Montreal Canadiens game, this was only three days after he dropped the gloves and fought Tom Wilson at Madison Square Garden in a... 4 to 1 loss for the Rangers. It was late in the third period and basically Chris Kreider put a big hit on Tom Wilson uh near the Capitals bench and then Tom Wilson decided that he just needed to seek revenge and instead he goes after Brian Lemieux, close to being a dirty hit. For me, Tom Wilson's one of those players. He has long since lost the benefit of the doubt when it's Tom Wilson with a borderline dirty hit. I'm very inclined to say it was a dirty hit, but he basically kind of, you know, looked like he put his shoulder into Lemieux's jaw and then the next thing you know Lemieux drops the gloves and they're fighting and I would have to say Tom Wilson won this fight, especially in the second half. Brandon Lemieux got off to a good start, landed a couple of, uh, you know, body blows and, and even hit him in the head a couple of times, but Tom Wilson came roaring back. I mean, you got to give the devil his due. He is, uh, you know, quite a good fighter in the NHL, one of the toughest that there is, but you got to give Brandon Lemieux a ton of credit here as well because he just fought Tom Wilson and that's not something that he has to do, but he felt that a message needed to be sent. The Rangers had to show him that they weren't going to be pushed around. He drops the gloves with, you know, arguably, I mean, at least one of the best fighters in the NHL. So all... all Props to Brandon Lemieux there for doing that. But again, this is somebody who, just in the span of these three days here, shows you how much he can impact a game. He gets into a fight with Tom Wilson, and you know not a lot of guys are going to be willing to do that to stand up for their teammates the way that Brandon Lemieux did. So he has value there, you know, being somebody who will stick up for his teammates. And then in Montreal, he actually chips in offensively and scores a couple of goals and spearheads this epic comeback that the Rangers had. And this is something that I've talked about on this podcast before, but we might have some new listeners. Uh, That game against Montreal, after it was over... Brandon Lemieux looked like Rocky Balboa in the locker room. He had a towel draped over his shoulders. He was wearing a fedora. His face was all, you know, bruised and cut up from everything that had happened that night and everything that had happened from the fight against Tom Wilson. So, I don't know, man. I think you got to love Brandon Lemieux. He really won me over in November there with those two performances, first fighting Tom Wilson and then spearheading the comeback against the Montreal Canadiens. So... Yeah, the price is right. $1.55 million a year for two years for Brandon Lemieux. That's cool with me. Really happy that he's back. The other thing I've noticed about Brandon Lemieux uh, over this last year and a half that he spent with the Rangers is it certainly seems like he's a good teammate. First of all, I mean, you don't look at stats for this. You just go with the eye test. You look at the way he interacts with his teammates on the ice. You know, anytime somebody scores a goal, he looks like he's really happy for them. He looks like he gets along with them. He looks like he's pretty chatty on the bench as well. So somebody who I think is fitting seamlessly uh, with this Ranger rebuild here and somebody that seems to be uh, pretty much universally believed loved in the locker room. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but that's just the impression that I get watching the Rangers for 70 games last season, and then the three playoff games as well. Of course, Lemieux only played in game three of that series because he was suspended, but be that as it may, I think it's becoming pretty obvious to people who watch this team on a night in and night out basis that he's a pretty well-liked player in that locker room there. And if I could cite just one specific example of him being a good teammate, The Raiders had a practice early in the season, and he actually stayed on the ice after practice was over with Capo Caco to kind of show him some fighting techniques and just kind of, you know, some things he could do if he ever gets into a situation where he has to drop the gloves. And Brandon Lemieux was asked about that after it happened, and Lemieux basically said, hey, listen, hopefully he never has to fight, but there is a certain confidence that you get from knowing that you can protect yourself out there if you absolutely have to fight. And I would agree. I mean, Capo Kakko, I don't look at him and see somebody who's, you know, itching to drop the gloves and get into a fight, but... I also don't know how many NHL players go their entire career without getting into a fight at one time or another. So that's just cool by Brandon Lemieux uh, kind of being the big brother for Capo Caco there. And uh, again, you know, I, I, I can't find any negatives with bringing back Brandon Lemieux. I'm, I'm very happy that he gets to be a New York Ranger for the next two seasons at least. One other thing I want to talk about here today, and it has to do with the Brandon Lemieux re-signing, it has to do with the Ryan Strom re-signing, it has to do with basically just the Rangers as a whole. As this offseason kind of progressed, I started thinking to myself that it seems like there's a lot of players on the Rangers who will have their contracts expire exactly two years from now, and I looked into this a little bit more, and what I saw was after this upcoming season, the one that's about to happen, the one that's about to start on New Year's Day 2021, if we're lucky, I suppose you would just call it the 2021 season if there aren't any games played in 2020, but after the next season of NHL hockey, the Rangers will have eight free agents, but after the season that follows that season, that will end in 2022, the Rangers will have 10, count them, 10 free agents after that offseason, and it's a a who's who list here, so I'm going to read you all 10 of these names, you got Mika Zibanejad, Capo Caco, Tony D'Angelo, Ryan Strome, Adam Fox, Alex Georgiev, Brandon Lemieux, Kevin Rooney, Anthony Batetto, and Colin Blackwell, So that's obviously a large number of free agents to have in one offseason. And with some of them, I mean, they can leave, and it's not really going to affect the Rangers that much. Guys like Rooney and Blackwell and Bateto, we'll see what happens, but I do get the feeling that uh, some of those guys might be included in the expansion draft with Seattle entering the league after next season. But there's a lot of guys here that the Rangers are really going to want to keep in the fold, uh, most notably Mika Zibanejad. Now, it's weird because there's pros and cons to having this many free agents at the same time. Uh, The cons are obvious. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who need to get paid, need to get new contracts, and if you don't pony up the dough, they could be on their way to other teams. You could lose some great players. Uh, The pros of it, though, with that many players hitting free agency at the same time, by the very nature of having 10 free agents, you're also going to have a good amount of cap space, and you should at least be able to re-sign most of the guys that you really want to re-sign at that moment. I mean, Mika Zibanejad, most notably, beyond that, I mean, I would think maybe they would talk to Tony D'Angelo again. We'll see where where his development is. We'll see if uh, he's somebody who ends up becoming a New York Ranger for life. That could go either way. Obviously, Capo Caco, he'll be a restricted free agent, but the Rangers are going to want to work out something long-term with Caco, you would think. And then, you know, Ryan Strom, that could go either way. You know, we'll see if he's on his way. Uh, Strom will be actually an unrestricted free agent at that time. So he could well be on his way at that moment. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, also an unrestricted free agent. And then Rooney blackwell Batetto, they are the unrestricted free agents for the class of 2022. Everybody else I mentioned, a restricted free agent. So obviously that's going to be a very interesting offseason. If you thought this past offseason season was crazy with the Rangers, I mean, you're right. Because there were a lot of players where you could make a case for... S- hanging on to them. There were cases where you could make a case for maybe even trading them, uh, but I do think the Rangers had a nice offseason here. A lot of difficult decisions, and I think they came through it uh, looking good heading into next season, but man, that class of 2022, that's going to be crazy. The Rangers all over again. They're going to have a series of very difficult decisions to make, and it's going to be very interesting to find out you know who gets the long-term deal, who ends up being a Ranger for life, and who might be on their way at that time. Maybe somebody's even traded before they become a free agent in that offseason. So we will see a lot of difficult decisions to make there, but I thought that was at least definitely worth looking into a little bit there and just seeing what might be happening down the road for the New York Rangers. And one last thing I thought we could do today is to kind of take a look around the NHL, see what free agents are still out there, see if there's any that could possibly still be a fit for the New York Rangers. Although I must say right now, I must preface this entire thing by telling you guys to keep your expectations in check because the Rangers, by my count, have less than a million dollars left in cap space. Uh, Prior to reaching deals with both Ryan Strom and Brian Lemieux, the Rangers had about $7 million left in cap space. Now that's taking the performance bonuses into account. So after giving Strom $4.5 million per season and giving Lemieux $1.55 million per season, that leaves the Rangers with approximately $950,000 of cap space to go. So again, we got to be realistic here as far as who we target. Uh, Certainly guys like Mike Hoffman and Michael Granlin, they're going to be out of the Rangers price range at this point. And we'll start it forward. But before I even start throwing around names, uh, these are the 12 forwards who I would think would probably be on the Rangers' opening night roster at the start of next season. This is all subject to change. You never know what can happen through training camp with some uh, position battles going on. But I think these are your 12 forwards to start the season for the Rangers next year. So you got uh, Kreider, Mika Zabanejad, Pavel Buchnevich. We might as well go through it uh, line by line. I think that's the top line. Second line, you got Strom centering Panarin and Kako. Third line, I'm thinking Heedle centering Lafreniere and Julian Gauthier fourth line, Brett Howden centering, Philip Giuseppe, and Brian Lemieux. Again, all that stuff is subject to change. Not all 12 of those guys have a spot absolutely 100% locked up on the opening night roster, but I think right now, as far as picking favorites, those are probably the 12, the 12 that I would think would be in line to be dressed on opening night for the New York Rangers next season. So if you want to bring in a forward, you know, with this very limited cap space that you have remaining, again, only about $950,000, might I suggest a reunion with Brian Boyle? Because We've talked about how the Rangers are thin at center. As of now, you're looking at Mika, Strom, Philippito, Brett Howden at center. But if, say, DiGiuseppe starts next season in the AHL, then maybe you can move Brett Howden over to the wing and you can plug Brian Boyle into the fourth line center role. Or, you know, maybe Julian Gauthier doesn't make the opening night roster. Maybe they want to get him a little bit more seasoning in the AHL. Then maybe you have a situation where Brett Howden and Philip Heedle are both on the third line. One of them would be centering it. One of them would be on the wing. But either way, that once again opens up that fourth line center position for somebody like Brian Boyle. Now, Boyle, I hear you guys, there's probably some detractors to this as I'm saying it. But, you know, he is 35 years old, so I do get that but I just think he's an affordable piece for the Rangers. He's coming off of a one-year deal with the Florida Panthers that paid him just $940,000. So if he signs for a similar price, maybe the Rangers could afford him. The other thing I like, he's a playoff performer. He prove that during his time with the New York Rangers. It seems like he always stepped up his game in the playoffs. Just a big-body dude. His game plays really well in the postseason. Not somebody you're going to be able to knock off the puck very easily. Guy who's physical, guy who can set a tone for the Rangers. We always like that. We always like the grittiness. We like the snarl. Brian Boyle gives you a good amount of that. And he's really good on face-offs as well. He was at last season, and in his career in the NHL, he has never had a season where he's been below 50% for an entire season. And it's an area where the Rangers struggled mightily last year. All of their regular... Centers, the guys who actually played center. I'm not gonna talk about guys who went like two for three on the face-off last year. They don't count. I'm talking about guys who the Rangers penciled in as centers last season and took a lot of face-offs throughout the entire year. And none of the Ranger regular centers were over fifty percent. They were all below fifty percent. So I want somebody who can win some face-offs and some big spots. You know, maybe there's a situation where there's a playoff game next year, you're the Rangers and you're hanging on to a one-goal lead and there's 45 seconds left, and there's about to be a face-off in your zone. You want somebody out there who you feel good about, who has a better than 50% chance of winning this face-off, and I think Brian Boyle gives you that. So give me Brian Boyle back on this team next year if the Rangers are going to bring in anybody else. Again, there's no guarantee that they're even going to sign anybody else. This this might be it. They might just go forward with the guys that they have, but it does seem like they have about $950,000 of salary cap space remaining, so if they want to add somebody, they can do that. If I'm going to throw out another forward here, Might I also suggest Brett Ritchie. Now, it's a little different with Ritchie because he's a right winger. That's not quite as much of an area of need, I don't think, for the Rangers as center is. But Brett Ritchie coming off of a one-year $1 one million dollar deal with the Boston Bruins. So if they can get him to sign for just a little bit less than that, you know they might be in business there. But he's a big guy, six foot four, 220 pounds. He had 89 hits in just 27 games with the Bruins last season. Uh, just two goals and four assists, but that's not really his forte. Again, he's a really big guy, really physical. Uh, looking to kind of be a tone setter out there and somebody that you would plug into probably your fourth line. Uh, he also played 12 games in the AHL last season, so he could be one of those guys that. He has an opportunity to make the Rangers out of training camp. We'll see if he takes advantage of that if they were to bring him in. And, uh, you know, maybe he pulls it off. If he does not make the Rangers opening night roster, then maybe he's one of those guys that's kind of a swing man between the NHL and the AHL. The Rangers can kind of move him back and forth on an as-needed basis. And then there were a couple other forwards. I'll just throw out some names here. I don't think any of these guys are going to sign for 950 k or less. It's at least possible with some of them, but I don't see it happening. Uh, you got Carl Soderbergh. He's a little bit older now, uh, 35 years old, but he was just coming off of a deal that paid him more than $4 million per season, so I don't see him uh, signing. Even though he's declined a little bit, I don't see him signing for you know just six figures next year. Andreas Athanasinu. Now, he split last season between the Red Wings and the Oilers. He is just 26 years old, but he is coming off of a contract that paid him a total of $6 million over two years. So I don't think you get him for just six figures next year. It just wouldn't really make any sense, given that he's just 26 and will probably sign for about the same amount of money as he was making these past couple of seasons. Uh, Another option to throw out there, a veteran center, is Trevor Lewis from the Los Angeles Kings. He just completed a four-year, $8 million contract, so obviously he was making $2 million per season. I don't think he's declined to the point where he's going to have to settle for just 950 k So those are some names I wanted to throw out there as well, but I just don't think it's realistic that the Rangers uh, could squeeze them in uh, underneath the salary cap, and I don't think those guys are going to have to settle for just 950 k or less next season, even with the flat cap. As far as defensemen are concerned, I don't really see the Rangers bringing in a veteran defenseman because they kind of already made that move with Jack Johnson. Obviously, the trade of Mark Saul to the Detroit Red Wings sort of necessitated. I don't want to say necessitated, but it made it more likely that the Rangers would bring in a veteran defense and somebody who could just be a one-year stopgap and just kind of hold down the fort until somebody else is ready, be it a prospect or maybe some free agent that the Rangers sign next season. I think eventually we're going to see K. Andre Miller work his way into the top six Ranger defenseman next season. But Jack Johnson will probably start on the opening night roster. But I just don't know, you know, do you bring in another random veteran defenseman for a really cheap contract? I mean, I don't really know what the point of that would be. You've already kind of made that move. But if I'm looking around the NHL, a defenseman who could be somewhat affordable for the Rangers if they want to bring in one more veteran defenseman, there's a couple of guys you can look at. So I will go ahead and throw out a couple of names here, but keep in mind, again, guys, I'm playing Ranger GM here. I've only got about $950,000 to work with, so definitely keep your expectations in check here. One name, I threw this out a long time ago at the beginning of free agency when I was looking at complete bargain basement targets that the Rangers could have. I'm going to throw out this name again, and it's going to be Carl Alsner. Now, hang on a second. I realize it's been a complete disaster ever since he went to the Montreal Canadiens three seasons ago. Now, In his first season with the Canadiens, he at least played all 82 games. It wasn't really his best season, but it wasn't a complete disaster either. Over the last two seasons... In Montreal, he's basically been a minor league player, and he's only played 13 NHL games with the Montreal Canadiens in the last two seasons combined. So it's been a complete nightmare. The reason I throw him out as a possibility is I'm sure at this point, if you're the Rangers or any other team in the NHL, you can sign this guy for absolutely nothing. You can have him for free. And just the fact that he's only 32 years old, and it wasn't really that long ago when he was a pretty good defenseman in this league. I don't know that he was ever really a superstar, but definitely somebody who played with a certain amount of toughness and, you know, clearly had his role on the Washington Capitals. So I don't know how everything has gone so south for Carl Alsner, but the reason why I would at least consider rolling the dice if I'm the Rangers, again, wasn't that long ago where he was a good player, and it's going to cost you nothing. It will cost you absolutely nothing to sign Carl Alsner. Again, I'm not going to throw out any more uh, defensemen just because I don't think that it's really in the cards for the Rangers to sign another defenseman. I could be wrong, but I feel like if they do add anybody to this roster, it's probably going to be a Ford. I feel like if you sign another veteran defenseman, it's very redundant of the Jack Johnson signing, and I just don't really see what the purpose would be to do that, other than maybe just to create more competition, push more guys. Maybe if there's a trade of Brendan Smith, if the Rangers can drop him in his contract, then maybe you bring in another uh, veteran defenseman, a cheaper alternative to Brennan Smith to kind of fill the role for the time being. But I don't see that happening. I think Brendan Smith starts next season with the New York Rangers. And uh, I think this team, pretty much the way it looks right now, it's very similar to how they're going to look on opening night. It's possible, again, that they add kind of a cheaper forward, somebody who can just kind of give them a little bit more depth, maybe a swingman between the NHL and the AHL. But I think pretty much what you see right now is what you're going to get when the puck drops on opening night. So once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.